Hello, and welcome to Sacred Herbalism, the full moon segment of the Elder Tree podcast, where we explore how plants and fungi can support us to enter into a sacred relationship with life and the living world. I'm your host, Stephanie Hazel, herbalist, anthropologist, and a deep lover of this wild world. Let's walk into the moonlit forest together, into a world of magic, mysticism, psychedelic teachers, and, of course, the plants themselves. Are you ready? Have you ever had a dream about a plant? A dream that felt significant, like maybe that plant was trying to tell you something? Or have you ever needed the medicine from a plant and just closed your eyes and walked where you felt you were being called and then found the plant you needed? These are some of the stories that Lily of the Herbs shares with me in this interview. This interview happened spontaneously after a dinner party. I'd only just met her and we decided to go into my studio and record a conversation between us about plants, about sacred herbalism and about what it means to be in relationship with the herb world. This interview is all about humility. It's about listening and being willing to be at ease with the mystery of the not knowing that being on the herbal path is so much about. Lily of the Herbs is a herbalist and a Zentai Shiatsu practitioner based in Warrandyte on the outskirts of Melbourne. She's open-hearted, intuitive, thoughtful, and a great conversationalist. Just to really get right into it, I just would love to know what the sacred means to you. I think the sacred means to me presence and um yeah moments of honoring and gratitude um yeah Mm. and is there a time in your life that uh, you've had a particular experience of the plant world and plants as being sacred that you could speak to yeah I think there's been so so many um one oh ones that's just coming through right now is I often dream of plants mm. so I'll wake up and you know then I'll be triggered the next morning so you know sometimes I'll have a dream like I was running through the forest you know looking for hawthorn it was just like or in my mind I'll be like rose hip rose hip rose hip you know I wake up in the morning and be like wow that was really flowing through in my dreams um and recently my dad's been quite sick and I've been quite worried about him and I had in the night you know I had this dream he had a gut infection from the hospital and and I'd for you know I'd forgotten about a dream and then it was I messaged a naturopath friend just asking for some advice and she said golden seal and then I remembered that it was in my dream it had just been golden seal golden seal golden seal in my dream and so with these two um yeah I guess synchronicities coming through I decided to call in some golden seal for him um and it's not a plant that I've worked with a lot and I know that it is in some ways endangered um, mm-hmm. well it is endangered and that's why I've kind of just you know used other methods and things that I can source locally but I thought no this is a pretty extreme situation um, so I got the golden seal delivered in like a day or two and he'd been on really strong antibiotics which um, I'd also been doing some research and the infection that he had was also like resistant to the antibiotics 
so I was like talking with him and I said the hospital probably won't like this but would you be interested in trying the golden seal and you know we had some chats around he said look it's probably no harm in me taking a you know a five-day break um, and then he, yeah he went on the golden seal for five days and yeah it did clear up the infection um, and it just felt like just, you know, maybe it would have cleared up anyway, maybe the anti, you know, all of these things we never know. But for me, it was a very strong, um, guide. It felt like I'd been guided by something, something other than mm. that the plants had come in and helped. Yeah. So beautiful. Mm. Do you remember the dream or just... It was like, I don't remember the dream at all. And often I don't remember the context of the dream, but it will be very clear. Like it'll be an image of the herb and it's just like being repeated. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. What a beautiful way to be receiving communication and be in relationship with plants, right? Mm. And dreams are so mysterious. Yeah. You know, like uh, in here next to me, there's this big branch of mugwort drying mm. um, that's come out of my garden tree mugwort. And I've definitely had some amazing experiences of smoking mugwort or drying it in my bedroom or drinking it as tea and then having such incredible kind of visionary dreams and it's always seemed so magical to me that a plant that you drink as a tea can change this really personal and I guess kind of unconscious aspect of being human the dreamscape mm, definitely and now that you say that I realize that I have been taking a mugwort tincture almost every day for the last couple of months so met, yeah and I didn't even make that correlation I was sort of taking it for other reasons but yes mm. wow so maybe that mugwort tincture that you've had has that opened you up to those more kind of direct communications from plants in the dream space maybe yeah and it, you're making me want to really write them down sometimes I'll just share you know that's that these things have happened a couple of times and now I'm like yeah I want to start writing my dreams mm. down and if I can remember any specific plants that have been coming through in a way dreams I feel is like a final frontier of mystery and I love that you have so many different theories and I have so many different theories too mm. but it's actually so precious that it's something that we can't understand mm. that we can have all these theories about but that it remains mysterious I think is so important for the human psyche to not be able to understand everything mm, I actually I really like that and I feel like that about plants too you know so often people want to know the why or you know why does this herb do this or do you know like this specific action but like in the end you know it's like I actually don't know anything that's what I keep coming back to you know it's like I'm, it's like all I have is the experiences that I've had you know I can mm -hmm. read about something in a book or do something you know try a herb with someone but it's like at the end of the day I actually know nothing mm. <laughs> and I feel like the herbs they can like we were talking about at dinner before you know they can almost if you form a relationship with them they can almost um become whatever they want to become really within us mm. you know it's it's not like um yes we we're saying before lemon varmint has one you know these actions and it's only for anxiety or you know mood enhancing you know it's like it it probably does whatever it, you know it you know it's like i'm not i'm not just lily mm. yeah i'm not lily who's loud or quiet or i'm i'm lily different in every moment mm. yeah any different circumstances right and that's something yeah. that i love like I love working with people to support them to understand and to discover for themselves the way that plants are so individual and that how we respond to a particular medicinal plant is very personalized, right? Like 
lemon balm we're talking about probably has hundreds of different chemicals that most of which we don't even understand what they do no one most of them haven't even been named or you know drawn let alone understanding how they all work together in combination right like a pharmaceutical is one molecule that has been very clearly defined and has a very direct and understood and predictable mode of action it has a specific cellular pathway because it's one molecule but when you have 200 different molecules all working together in 200 different sites in the body the way that that works i feel is more like a symphony you know it's very mm. complex and it's very nuanced and it's very modulating it's almost like it dances with you and that means that it works very differently in different people who have different kinds of things going on mm. and one thing i really wish for the way that you know plant medicine is talked about and promoted in the world today is for that more individualized personalized understanding to come through you know rather than being like lemon balm it's for anxiety and depression mm. you know it's yes it can be for anxiety and depression in certain kinds of people showing certain kinds of symptoms mm. it's more for a particular feeling or pattern you know a particular type of disturbed pattern that it can help bring back into a particular kind of balance right mm -hmm. and we just try to match herbs with diseases I think we're really missing the point we're missing the mystery we're missing that like personal relational aspect 100% that is yeah you've said it so well I, I often say that kind of like you know when you meet a person you sort of walk into a room and there's sometimes an instant affinity with that person and you don't know why and there's this feeling of having known one another and it can be the same with people and plants and then often there's and then that can change you know sometimes you meet someone and you're like oh I didn't really like them I got a bit of a and then and then other people are like what I love them they're like the best person ever and you're like really I just didn't feel it when <laughs> when I was hanging with them they were like tired grumpy and they barely said hello to me mm -hmm. and and you're like yeah just didn't see the didn't see the hype and then you know you meet them a few more times and then suddenly you crack them and then like you get you're in the right position and you're like oh okay I see what it is and then the magic comes out you know maybe it can mm. be like that with people and plants too I feel like I've had that relationship with coffee since living in okay. Melbourne. Like I came yeah. to Melbourne and I was, you know, coffee's delicious and it feels amazing for a short period of time, but I'd be like, oh my God, it's so intense and I feel all tight and my jaw is all tense and, oh, I, you know, and then actually, oh, I don't know if it's just that my partner makes really great coffee, but I think it's not that. I think I'm just in a different place in my life. I'm a mum. I'm really sleep deprived. Like I'm also more grounded in some way, you know, and now... I'm just a total coffee, you know, I have one a day, but still I really need that coffee in the morning. <laughs> Something that I always warn people of, you know. <laughs> so coffee speaks to me in a new way now. <laughs> We've made friends. <laughs> Great, that's beautiful, that's so beautiful. Yeah, we get into a very linear way. Everyone wants a linear, straight answer about, mm. is this plant, the, you know, can I use it for this? Will it have this effect you know and yeah you know and it's and I guess it's like as we were both talking about business before at dinner you know or creating a career or being a practitioner you know you want to be able to give people definitive answers or say yes this is the one mm. for you but at the end of the day like I think it's I'm just like always learning humility and just and I guess pretty much always I just want to say like I don't know mm. <laughs> like I can never give an answer about anything and I just like want to encourage everyone to explore as much as possible mm. see yeah, himself definitely live in a world that teaches us linear causality 
and that you know you have control over something when you understand the cause and effect and that cause and effect is you know generally a little one box is the cause with one arrow going to one effect and then you have because that's the cause and that's the effect then you have the answer is also one box and one arrow you know in all those situations Mm. and yeah i i love that in the modern world at the moment there's a lot of um, systems thinking is becoming really popular you're kind of looking at the way ecologies work with each other and how all the different beings in an ecology interact and and essentially create a system of complex relationships Mm. and that's actually what causes the everything of that ecology to emerge that the the that particular environment is like an emergent quality or an emergent property of that system i think that's a kind of thinking that old world herbalists already know Mm. it's like your you know your anxiety isn't because of this particular trauma your gut problem isn't because of you don't have the right bacteria it's so much more complex than that it's not even it's the way all these different things interact with each other. It's how your microbiome interacts with your brain and how your trauma interacts with your amygdala, but then how your story about the trauma da, 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 and how the house you live in has this mold. And mm. it's all these like complex threads weaving together to make a story. And I find that it can be very difficult as a practitioner to know which of those threads is the right one to pull on, right? Mm. And people do come being like, oh, I have all these complex health problems give me a bottle of herbs and I'll be fixed in three weeks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or 100%. But then also, you know, I guess it's like, guess pull on one of the threads and maybe it'll make a little... It's like one of the... They, sometimes they all... You know, it's just pick one. And I think if, you know, and also like if you and I were working with the same person, you know, we both had the same consult and then we both went away, we'd both come up with a completely different herbal formula for that person and some advice and be completely different but it's not to say that either of it would be wrong because you know just be pulling on two different threads that would Mm. eventually unravel the whole ball maybe yeah i think Mm. we choose different threads to pull on yeah 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 and it would take them on a different journey of unraveling a different journey of of healing Mm. i guess that's back to that mystery piece right and i think that's so important in this idea of sacred herbalism for me there's something about working with plants and working with healing and working with psychedelic plants and working with you know the other plants like mugwort and lemon balm and chamomile and really getting to know them there's this unknowable quality you know you're talking about i don't know this humility piece and that that mystery is allows me to be humble and allows me to feel really excited like there's something more wild and magical than just my own desires and my own aspirations for my business and my own like mm. well, the way that I've organized my bedroom you know? <laughs> <laughs> and where yeah. I'm going to take my family on holiday next Christmas you know like those there's something wilder and more magical that I'm so thirsty for mm. and I feel like working with plants has really created an amazing doorway and avenue for me to keep tapping into that yeah. How does that relate to your experience? Definitely. I so many threads pop through while you were saying that, but I yeah, I love that you get so excited by the unknowing. Like that's what, you know, it's that magical element of not knowing, which is the mag- like I guess, you know, with your partner or child, it's like do we even know them? You know, there's always more to learn about the people that we think we know the most. Mm. And it's the same with the plants. Um yeah, and the humbleness. I love that you yeah, you brought up that humbleness piece again. That that does seem to be maybe one of the um, 
yeah, I think we get we come into a dead end when we think that we know, don't we? But when mm. we're just so comfortable with like sitting in that I don't know, <laughs> I want I want that that's the question that's like I want to know that leads on to that I want to know more, and that's what just deepens everything and creates just opens visions even more, doesn't it? Maybe that in a way is like a gateway into like people say oh I don't know anything about plants like what you, you know it's like that's perfect <laughs> you'll never know <laughs> yeah yeah we definitely have a culture of um like if you look at the way that business works and when you work as a freelancer run your own business like social media is the primary way that you can promote it right there's not really a newspaper you can advertise in that doesn't it's not how people engage with these kinds of services anymore and there's so much pressure I find in the Instagram world mm to be the expert yes and so then I find myself leaning into that and th- there is a lot that I know about plants that's worth sharing but it kind of misses that mystery and that magic when there's this like oh I, I must be the I must be she who knows plants you know yeah that's a really interesting point to make well I'm glad that we can post this podcast on our yeah. Instagram to be like hi like watch my reels and I don't know anything I don't know anything but yeah I really hear that I I also similarly relate like when I'm teaching or yeah with the client just like wanting them to feel it's like I'm like I want them to feel safe in that yeah like as well knowing that I have knowledge to share but it's like how to and and not to be just standing up there and being like I don't know anything like you pick the herbs like what do you like like but just yeah to be a bit more yeah, I'm not sure how to sit in that that place because sometimes it feels a bit masculine to me. Sometimes I feel like because I want to be in this place of like I know, um, you know, I don't know, like I know things that I can share with you that I can cut off from the uh, the not knowing. Mm. Yeah, maybe the humility piece, just because I also don't want them to feel like what am I doing here if this person doesn't know anything. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you hold both the authority of where you are at in your relationship with plants and your journey with plants and the wild unknowing mystery? Mm. And in a way, being able to hold that wild unknowing mystery is a type of mastery, right? Yes. And that's I think that's something that I've been thinking about a lot and, and really longing to step into and wishing that there were teachers and like elders in my tradition, your tradition of traditional Western herbal medicine, that like ancient old world herbalism, that's what I feel like I haven't received. I've received a lot of information about plants in my in my journey, in my studies, right? Mm. But how do you be in mastery of the mystery and non-knowing, <laughs> holding that in a really potent way? Mm. I think that's what, what the sacred herbalism topic is so exciting for me. You know, it's why that's so exciting for me to get the, to talk to people about what what it what it is to be in sacred relationship with plants yeah and I think it sounds like it that's what you do with your um in your trainings as well and the courses that you run you're really just inviting people to have their own experience have their own sitting and you know you're talking about how people you'll give someone a a plant to work with for one week and then you know they're taking it every day and experiencing it every day and then you'll only then at the end reveal who the plant was and that that's so beautiful I feel like that I love that I think that's yeah that's a really great way of um allowing others to just creating a space almost and maybe that's like in the sacred herbalism you know just creating a space for people to sit in their exploration and and then not knowing yeah Mm. allowing the plants to do 
most of the teaching. Yeah. Because they're the ones who really know the plants. Mm, maybe that's what it means to be a herbalist. In How do you feel that that idea of the sacred and that that present mystical, unknowable mystery that we've been talking about, how do you feel that shows up in your work as a herbalist? Mm. Well, maybe even, like, why am I even working with plants sometimes? I, you know, and I've never really questioned that, but I, I've never really questioned the point which was like, well, how, how did I get to the point that I am today? And it's I love that mystery of just feeling very guided and very like there's it's almost like I don't know why I do what I do I just know that I love it and I just do it and I don't know maybe you have a similar feeling yeah and that in itself is like a sacred mystery mm. <laughs> can you tell me a bit more about your journey to, on the medicine path yeah yeah um wh when I grew up I was homeschooled and so I had a lot of time just playing in the garden and propagating plants and um we lived near the beach and there was a local foreshore with native plants and grasses and I found we would go down there like weekly and weed and plant and just try and keep those plants alive. They're all bulldozed now but we did that for many years and so I had a real connection to the plants of um, the sandbell in Port Phillip Bay and then when I was my first job was at a native plant nursery and I yes I was helping volunteers and we were just running workshops and propagating plants and it was just always so much fun you know I was just excited by the different plants and always you know seeing something and trying to grow it at home or put it in a terrarium or a pot and um, and that just naturally progressed to I went to Europe and while I was there I just felt so overwhelmed by the cities and the stagnation you know just all of the built-up fast buses and festivals mm -hmm. and I was only really feeling at home when I was in a, a garden space so that led me to come back home and just start woofing around Australia and seeking out people who were working with plants um, and growing food and that was where it was until I had my first um, I guess up until that point you know in my early 20s I hadn't had any health issues as such and then I think I had a tooth infection I was actually living with Reese, um, your partner at the time and partner now and yeah I remember um, yeah just suddenly not feeling well not being able to show up as my fullest self so that then led me on this huge journey of trying to find out people who work with plants as medicine working on different farms herb farms and then doing the degree which turned into mm -hmm. a six-year degree <laughs> so it took so much time off um, but that's kind of my journey to how I am today. So in a way, it just feels like it all flowed into each. There was never a questioning. It was just like, oh, this is where this is where the plants are guiding me next. You know, yeah. Mm, that's a beautiful feeling to have had. Yeah. Yeah. And what's happening for you in your work as a herbalist now? Um, what's alive for you? Um, yeah. Well, I mentioned I was working with mugwort before, and so. Yeah, mugwort has, I've just been going deeper and deeper into it and I was also using it as um, an antiparasitic because I recently felt like I'd gathered a worm in my in my years, maybe living up north in Byron, and so I started doing it, I was just using wormwood and some other things and then actually pooed out a worm that was like 20 centimetres long. Wow. <laughs> I just thought, I don't know if you want to go there on your podcast, yeah. Um... Yeah, that was an amazing experience in a way. Um, yeah, working with worms. <laughs> Do you find... I have this experience that um, I can relate to. I think you might be having the same thing where I'm still surprised when herbs work, which is so yes. weird because my entire career... 
well, a large part of my career and so much of my passion is around plants as medicines mm. and yet the other day I had a really awful ulcer on the roof of my mouth mm. I don't know why and every time I ate anything it was bleeding it was really awful and I had this thought of like oh if I was someone else I'd tell me to go and use some marshmallow root and I had this marshmallow root glitter tract and so mm. I just rubbed some on my ulcer before I went to bed and I woke up and it was almost gone I oh did another gosh. little rub and then within a few hours it was over and it had been there for days bleeding and getting worse and getting worse mm. and I had this experience of like huh what do you know Wow, <laughs> that actually worked and somehow I still have a moment of surprise or disbelief, you know? Mm-hmm. And I have to keep having these experiences again and again to override, I guess, the cultural programming. That something so simple and so readily available and so belonging to the people mm-hmm. can actually be so powerful and healing. Mm. We've done such a good job of handing over the power of healing and change to institutions and technology. Mm-hmm. Something as simple as some marshmallow root that I, you know, ground up and put some glycerin on. Just changing something dramatic is still surprising and shocking and kind of a reality check in some way. Mm. Now, I imagine you might have had a similar feeling with the worm. You're like, wow, it had some mugwort and this huge worm just came out of me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yes, definitely. Well, it was pretty strong. Some strong doses of things. But yes, like 100%. I really feel that. It's it's And it's again humbling isn't it when you're like you have these it's and you have to have those experiences like Elsa and the worm almost to just be like yes you know and like you know I've just sort of thought you know when you hear stories ancient stories and they were you know they're with a, a you know maybe a god or something like prove to me you know like give me a miracle right now <laughs> and then I think those and then sometimes it's like sometimes the work as a herbalist you know you, you need those moments where you're like oh yes this is why I do this work because it's amazing (laughs) yeah yeah and just to have that have access to plants and medicines that are so freely and abundantly available Mm. really right like if you think of most people in the world who don't have the pharmaceutical benefit scheme and the government doesn't pay their pharmaceuticals and they don't have um, access to the medical institution, it's not paid for by people's taxes, you know, herbal medicine is so much more accessible and those other kinds of medicines really aren't. And so losing mm. losing those traditions and those wisdom is really serious for most of the poor people of the world, right? In Definitely. Sitting here in Australia, it's like, yeah, I think it would be really sad to not have access to herbal medicine, but at least there's another system to catch us. Mm. Yeah. And you know, if you look at even the World Health Organization says that 80% of the world's population uses herbal medicine as their primary form of healthcare. And when I first read that statistic, I was like, wow, that's cool. That many people in the world really believe in herbs. And it took me a while while to be like, oh no, that's the only option most people have. Mm -hmm. And it's the only option that we've had for most of like 99% of human history, right? Mm And that relationship with the plants and those traditions of using the plants to support our well-being and to look after our family and our people is part of being human. Mm. It's interwoven in the very fabric of how our bodies and our minds have evolved, even on a biochemical level. Mm. Definitely. And it's just because we're in Australia in a, in a somewhat potentially privileged, well, privileged, yes, way, you know, we just, yeah. We've forgotten that that is what's really 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 accessible definitely mm. yeah and we're almost discouraged here to believe that there's anything else out there 
you know, I think it is very, it is often really discouraged and I do feel that there's kind of like a fear and a kind of, you know, this underlying fear that's um, in a lot of people, like, oh, that plants aren't safe and or that they're ineffective. Mm. Yeah. That's... It, it's funny that how you can hold both those beliefs, yeah, right? Because yeah. if something is ineffective, it doesn't do anything, so it's going to be completely benign, generally, exactly. right? Yeah, yeah, but there is this definitely, like, oh, they're dangerous, you know, you don't know what's in them, you know, mm-hmm. there's, it's true, there's these two paradoxical kind of beliefs that are there, which seem to be, um, yeah, almost creating a smoke stream into the fact that they are really re- readily mm. available, 80% of the world use it as their primary source of medicine, um, and so for us to have be existing in this paradigm here to have that reminder, yeah, mm. it's very beautiful. Mm. So you were talking about mugwort and you were saying you've been journeying with this beautiful plant and I'd love to know, other than this amazing worm experience, mm. I'd love to know what else you've been discovering about this being. Yes. Mugwort, the Artemisia. Well, I guess for me, I was really um, thinking about womb, the womb as well, and just that it has such a warming, a warming effect in the whole digestive tract. While like having that bitter effect, I sort of, for me, yeah, I guess wanting to have the because I feel like I'm very vata, so I feel airy, like I'm quite light, and I can get very cold. Mm-hmm. Um, just especially like in winter and my digestion can often go out when I'm stressed because I'm getting I'm in my head and I'm floating away and so I love that wormwood just has this like bitterness to like ground me but it doesn't cool down my whole digestive tract it like warms it up Mm. um and so I've been infusing oil and rubbing it on my belly and having it in a tincture and drinking it in a tea and just yeah just yeah just really open to however it wants to work with me it just feels like it just keeps giving and giving, my boy. <laughs> and it just feels so perfect for me and where I'm at in my life. Mm. Why is that? Well, because I feel, well, I had, um, I, you know, in my many, I'm really grateful for all health, thing, all, all the different, you know, cycles of my health, you know. And I think I've, I've definitely noticed a difference from my younger years where I felt very, like my constitution felt very strong and like I could get away with a lot. One of those people that would just go and go. And um, when I was living up north, I had Ross River fever. And so that really took me out for about a year. And since then, you know, I've really struggled with fatigue and yeah, not feeling as robust. I have this sometimes having a sense of like, feeling a little bit more um, permeable almost mm. and and really craving warmth yeah grounding and warmth to just anchor me through that so this is where mugwort feels like it's just such a strong presence in that sense and it's just for the nervous system the aromatics as well but yeah so it's working on all these different systems and also yeah in my dreams and getting rid of the worms <laughs> Yeah. like you know I, yeah now saying it I'm like I want to have mugwort tea just what's mugwort not good for what do you use it for oh thank you I'll chew a leaf yes yeah, it's true some yeah what do I use mugwort for um well I definitely use it for dreams and visioning mm. I think there's also got quite a powerful um like trauma healing p- capacity for the womb so women with sexual violence history that need to clear out uh, on that kind of psycho-spiritual level Mm. and you're right you know as a beautiful aromatic bitter herb as it is like all of the all of the artemisias wormwood it's so good at Mm. working at 
clearing toxins and moving the bile and the liver, but still keeping things really warm and nourishing, right? So it's such a beautiful balance. Those bitter digestive aromatics, if you if you tend to have like a delicate digestive system, as I do, I'm quite vato as well. Mm. I find that the, just the straight up hard bitters can sometimes be too much and mugwort and wormwood of two plants I really like you know if I I often make a little liqueur around Christmas that I pull out for you know all of the kind of overeating everyone yes. does and I'm like here yeah. <laughs> everyone's just and then it's amazing you give them these like bitter aromatic tinctures and everyone's like oh, ah, oh and then you can see everyone just kind of freshen up you know it's like moved that kind of heaviness out of their system that's one way I use mugwort yes. helping my family get through their overeating at Christmas <laughs> Yeah, but um, I've been feeling Mugwort really speaking to me lately and wanting to get curious about her again. Mm. I had this experience that I've not shared very often, mm. but I had an experience doing a herb course in my early 20s with a friend of mine. Uh, and it was a small group and we were looking at different herbs for women's healing. And one week, every week we were learning about one herb and kind of going through all these different all the different people's perspectives on it and trying to go really deeply and he's a really great teacher and on the last class was mugwort and there was a woman in the class who had had a lot of sexual violence history mm-hmm. and we were talking about how mugwort's used for moxibustion you know so in chinese medicine it's not the same mugwort exactly the same species that we use in medicine but it's very similar and they use the Chinese mugwort for moxa, which people don't know is rolling up this dried powdered herb and burning it over different acupuncture points in the body to create warmth and movement of stagnation and tonification, depending how it's used. And it's quite effective for pain. So we've been talking about moxibustion and talking about its use for sexual violence. And this woman like really opened up about how that's something she really needed, that kind of healing. And, and there was kind of a spontaneous process that happened and we've been working together this group had gone for about 10 or 11 weeks so we all kind of knew each other and there were maybe seven women in the space and this woman lay down and we started doing moxa like sitting in a circle all over her belly and her womb and she had a really big process and I had my one and only experience of actually seeing like visually a plant spirit mm-hmm. and there was all this smoke rising up from her belly and I looked up and I saw this the mugwort spirit and I saw what she looked like to me was this like wild woman who would have been maybe like 50 something and she was like wearing rags she had these like strong body and she was barefoot dancing stomping on this woman's belly she had this like wild kind of white gray hair and and she like was you know had this full power vibe but she was kind of she wasn't the crone you know she wasn't the young woman she was this kind of other being which I now have learnt to talk about as the maga, the kind of the the, the wise witch woman, you know. Mm. And then she looked up at me, and her eyes were fully white. She was blind, like the way that seers were blinded. But and she was up at me and kind of went, <sighs> you know, like I dare you, I see you seeing me. And it was really intense. Mm. And it was a powerful experience, and I've never had something so clear again, other than that one moment, and that really marked me and almost I kind of felt like okay mugwort your full power like that was wild and you did some serious work for this young woman who'd been really traumatized 
and I don't know if I'm, I was only maybe 25 then, and I was like, I don't know if I'm ready to meet that power and that intensity and that type of mm. vibe, you know. And wow. it's actually only recently that I'm starting to be, and I've still used mugwort, but I'm just starting to be like, oh, yeah, mugwort, you'll be 40 next year. It's like a really big time of maturation, and I feel ready in myself to meet what mugwort really has to share. Mm. Wow, I was getting shivers the whole time you were sharing that story. <laughs> I actually can't believe I just shared that. <laughs> yeah, I was really, I was getting food. It's pretty amazing. And I, and when you said, like, the white eyes, when we saw, like, because we're looking at this mugwort now, it's like the undersides of the leaves are white. Like, they have this, it's like this, yeah, this silvery kind of quality to them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's mm, very potent. And it just grows so powerfully, doesn't it? Like, I have one in my parents' front yard, and it's just, it's like almost two meters tall now just this huge almost tree yeah yeah i had i actually took a cutting this plant came from series i was there and i just was like i'm just gonna take a little cutting and put it in some water and it rooted and i was renting a house at the time and so i put put in a pot and then you know a couple of years of coming and going from melbourne and having other people look after it and it, it i thought it died twice it's one little stick of mugwort and i thought it died and i well i'll just keep watering it and see what happens came back happened again some other time and then eventually maybe four years later I've planted it in this garden where I live now and it in 12 months has gone from one little stick to this two meter kind of majestic enthusiastic plant it's quiet there's a lot of life force yeah so much life force yeah Mm. very yeah it's very hardy like it'll just yeah I like that yeah and that's what I love about so many herbs that they'll just, you know, even in the driest sort of drought conditions that like, yeah, I have a little mugwort cutting that I put in the ground, like mowed it, you know, and it came back up again. Yeah. 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 Well, a lot of the medicine plants are those really resilient plants that know how to be strong mm. and can teach us how to be resilient in the face of whatever it is we struggle with. Mm. Yeah. Well. Mm. So in in this topic of sacred herbalism, I'm curious, like, what what is it that you want to be exploring in in the sacred herbalist mystery magic realm? What is it that you're called to explore as you continue to move forward in your herbalist journey? Mm, great question. Yes. Um, what's been coming through for me recently is just wanting to spend a lot of time um, sitting with the plants and just in that space of not knowing and listening like I really want to start um just listening more and more and more deeply and you know it's so much of what I talk about and I encourage um everyone that I work with um and who works with me to do and it's so it's like I really want to walk my talk even more um and come to a place of yeah where I'm just listening with how they want to be worked with you know they're already sort of doing that but I guess I don't know exactly what that looks like um you know, I've done vision quests or something like that, you know, just really going and just sitting with the plants in a space of humility. Like, they may not want to talk with me. I may not have an experience like your mugwort um, maga, you know, but it's like, I guess it's like all I can do is sort of ask. Um, and I suppose it's already coming through, you know, when I'm in my garden and I'm like saying hello and just sort of brushing the leaves and just feeling this like, and feeling them just being like, hi, Lily. <laughs> And then I often see them getting a bit sad when I go away for a couple of weeks or I haven't been paying attention to the garden for a while. It's like it's just that I haven't been there saying hello almost. And mm. it's just start to look a bit neglected. 
but it's like I just see it in my garden when I'm it's, I don't even need necessarily need to be watering or weeding or anything but I'm just if I'm showing up there that everything's just growing really vibrantly because it's being listened to it or that's sort of how it feels um so I guess yeah I just feel like I want to spend some time getting out of my human mind and my my just striving um business you know building mind to just being like with this other state of where I'm like yeah just in the like hey how you going <laughs> mm. yeah listening space mm. beautiful yeah I think when you're talking about the way that when you're walking in your garden you're not there you know that you feel that the plants are that they miss you essentially right and and that that makes me think that what's happening when we're talking about listening to plants and learning to listen to plants we're not just talking about developing a new skill we're talking mm-hmm. about rewriting the underlying cosmology of our belief system of our inner philosophy because mm-hmm. we're shifting then from this inner cosmology of the world as a mechanistic kind of resource factory that humans as the agents are moving through mm-hmm. into a very different older animistic philosophical system where we see other beings that we don't understand so well that aren't so obviously sentient as still alive and vibrant and capable of being agents in their own right you know mm-hmm. so when you're walking in the garden in order to listen to a plant you have to rewire the part of your brain that says plants can't say stuff plants mm-hmm. don't talk you know mm-hmm. like it, it's a it's a big work it's really big foundational philosophical repatterning it's it's reculturation which is extremely hard to do in isolation mm. and yet here we all are in our own trying to learn these skills and feeling like we should as herbalists somehow just know how to do this mm. it's interesting that you said you know in saying that we're here doing an isolation you said before i needed to do a co- organize a course to um have the time to do it but it's like maybe you just needed the energy of those other people to do it with you know, maybe that's why I run the courses that I with. It's not just, and I actually think that is one of the reasons why I run courses is because I just want to do it with other people. Yeah, I want to be, and I'm ex- I'm learning just as much as the people that come every time. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. it's a really beautiful angle on it, and so much of like, yeah, in in the process that I do with my finding your plant allies course where the group is taking a plant blind for a week and then coming back and everyone's sharing their experiences. Mm-hmm. It's really the fact that other people are noticing similar things that allows people to start to trust their listening. Mm-hmm. And so then they know what it is they're listening for, you know. <clears throat> and yesterday was the last class, so people were reflecting on the journey overall and a few people said, yeah, at the beginning, you know, there were things that I was noticing, but I didn't really think that could be the plant. I thought it must just be coincidence mm-hmm. or that must just be what's happened in my life this week. And it's only then you hear someone else share that reflection. You're like, oh, I didn't share that, but that happened mm-hmm. for me too. So as they went on, they start to trust that listening and I start to trust that listening because I'm you know sitting I, I know what the plant is so I'm sitting with it I'm feeling into it but I know a lot about that plant I've yeah. written a two-hour class on it you know it's like <laughs> I've read like you know 10 hours of research papers and you know what do you, you know, so I, I know so much information about it it's hard to trust myself in that intuitive sense when my mind is so full of other people's thoughts about it 
But then in that group and you hear people tuning into things that I've tuned into as well, I'm like, oh yeah, that's what I'm hearing. I start to feel the texture of what it is that the, that's the plant communication and what it is that's my inner world, you know? Mm. Yep. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I still like you said that so beautifully. I'm like, yep, totally agree, 100%. So beautifully worded. Yeah, and it, it, it is. Like, it is, um, yeah, everything that we know in a way that we've read, that kind of um, that kind of knowledge, I guess you'd call it, is different to the wisdom that comes from, I guess, wisdom. Yeah, it's that felt experience and when when all that we know our intellect is is in the way of that it's like it's hard to be like well I know all of that but like do I really know it Mm. I think um yeah yeah so these the the plants that they're they're pretty um I feel like they're they're pretty smart and then every now and then they'll do something like the the mouth ulcer or the worm and be like remember remember (laughs) you're like you were doubting weren't you you know you were were just getting lost in the mind but uh, yeah but here we go yeah there's there's so many different experiences and I often find that like one thing I like to do sometimes is give myself like a test or something like be like I need this you know like um you know like sunburnt and you're in an area you don't know like you just like visualize aloe vera and then you'll sort of like open your eyes and walk out the door of wherever you are and then just sort of like be guided to it or something like that oh, beautiful and i find that or if not aloe vera you know something that is going to be beneficial for the you know just like sort of just like allowing your heart to guide you to where what you need is there yeah that's really beautiful that reminds me of um some of the stories that uh robin wall kimura speaks about in Braiding Sweetgrass. I don't know if you've mm. read that book. So she's a Potawatomi elder and a biologist, I think, no, botanist. And she um, speaks about some of the ways that the indigenous plant people of the Americas would go into the forest to harvest and they'd call the plants and they just mm. walk and find them. Mm. It's a slightly different way to do that, but it's a way to do that in a more modern context. You know, almost like, yeah, I love that. I've never tried that. It really works. Yeah, like I feel like it always works <laughs> yeah yeah cool. it does sound mm-hmm. so mystical right but I'm sure that if someone wanted to break down how that happens in a materialistic way there'd be some you know our capacity as as the heart as a sensory organ and what we can pick up on frequencies and vibrations is so much more rich and nuanced than we currently understand mm-hmm. and it it doesn't have to be something so out there you know there's probably there's probably some way that our heart or our brain or our some part of our body is picking up on the vibration of a particular quality mm-hmm. you're looking for this you know sunburn i need slippery i need soothing i need moist <laughs> and you can almost taste that on the wind i feel like is a way i can imagine traditional people's explaining it you know yeah, and you like almost like you start to think like the plant would think, and you know it's like where would I be growing if I was this, you know, like a hunter kind of, and then you're just almost guided to where it would be growing. Mm, yeah, Lee the plant tracker. Yeah, <laughs> plant tracker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm really inspired by that. I'm gonna give that a go sometime. Mm. And that's like that's right. That, that's a beautiful experience of sacred herbalism. You know. It's like, how are we in relationship with plants, whether it's a two-way dynamic experience? And that's like a type of sensing and calling and listening with really tangible results. It's not just like, oh, I got the, I think I got the feeling that this plant was telling me that it's good for 
the gallbladder, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's something really tangible. You call to it, and then you go and you find its physical form. Like that's very clear. Yeah, and then even if there's not like a tangible thing that you're working on or anything, I've done. I can't remember this woman. It was a women's wise women's gathering years ago, and we were out in a field, and she was like, "Just close your eyes and start walking." Um, and then sort of open them like, you know, with that, with the gaze, like a really soft gaze and then just keep walking until you're guided to a plant and, um, and then, you know, ask permission to pick it and then bring it back and we'd all sort of share and so many of us didn't know what we picked and yeah, and then it would just be like the perfect plant every time, you know, that kind of, and I think that's a beautiful thing for people to do wherever they are, like even in a city, just to be guided to a plant and to, yeah, that's a great way to find a relationship with a plant. Mm. If you enjoyed Lily's open-hearted, humble approach to herbal medicine, then I recommend you follow her on Instagram, Lily of the Herbs, or check out her website, lilyoftheherbs.com. She has two learning opportunities coming up at the beginning of June. On Saturday, the 3rd of June, she's running a full-day immersive herbal medicine-making workshop at her home in Warrandyte on the outskirts of Melbourne. In that day, a small group of people will go on a wild herb walk, collect forage and dry herbs, make an immune-boosting oxymel, a nervous system elixir, and a wound-healing salve. The following day, on the afternoon of Sunday, the 4th of June, she's running a three-hour online introduction to herbal medicine, which covers the principles of herbal medicine, how to connect with plants, how to gather and harvest them, and the energetics and elemental principles of working with herbs. That's us for this moon cycle. I'm so glad you walked into the dark forest with me. This podcast is part of The Elder Tree, a non-profit dedicated to empowering people through grassroots herbal education, weaving a strong community of herbalists, healers and plant folk in Australia. You can head over to theeldertree.org to find out more. If you like this episode, we'd love you to subscribe. And if you know who we should interview next, drop us a line. See you next month. And in the meantime, may you be blessed with good health and many plants.